Hi, everyone. Coach Mary Claire here. Georgie and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. We are so happy that people have been tuning in. During these more challenging times, we want you to know that we are thinking of all of you and wishing you health and well-being. A big part of our binge eating program addresses emotional aspects. Negative mood, stress, anxiety, all play a big role in our eating behavior. And in our current circumstances, these feelings and emotions abound. So for this episode, we thought we would share with you how we and our clients are weathering this storm and perhaps make some helpful suggestions. We are all in this together. This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating Podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary Claire Brescia. I'm sure you've all seen those funny memes, keep calm and carry on. There's a picture of the British crown in the background. Some recent versions are keep calm and sparkle, keep calm and love cats, keep calm and be a unicorn. Well, with our current set of circumstances, I find myself thinking about World War II and the bombing of London. Of course I do. The actual situation that led to the keep calm and carry on slogan. It's part of my it could be worse coping strategy. Perhaps you've used that one yourself. I just wondered how people could withstand nightly bombardments and manage to keep calm. So I checked out Wikipedia. Well, in September 1940, the Luftwaffe were ordered to attack London. Starting on September 7th, London was systematically bombed 56 of the following 57 days and nights. During this time, the British people rose to the occasion. It was so striking, it was given a name, Blitz Spirit. No psychiatric crisis occurred because of the Blitz, even during the period of greatest bombing. An American witness wrote, By every test and measure I am able to apply, these people are staunch to the bone and won't quit. The British are stronger and in a better position than they were at its beginning. People referring to the raids as if they were the weather stated that the day was very blitzy. London civilians surprisingly did not suffer from widespread shell shock. The special network of psychiatric clinics opened to receive mental casualties of the attacks closed due to lack of need. Many civilians found that the best way to retain mental stability was to be with family. And after the first few weeks of bombing, avoidance of the evacuation programs grew. Cheerful crowds visited bomb sites. They were so large they interfered with rescue work. Despite the attacks, despite the defeat in Norway and France, and the real threat of invasion, overall morale remained high. So, Mary Claire, why are you talking about the Blitzkrieg? Well, it shows how strong we as humans truly are. No matter how dire the situation, no matter how challenging, we can do this. We can pull together and get through this. I'm sure many of you have been heartened by neighborhood efforts to reach out to people who may need help. I've seen neighborhood food banks and offers to get groceries for disabled and elderly. And of course, it is impossible to overstate the heroism of our health care providers. 
They are on the front lines at great personal cost and risk. And let's give a shout-out to the grocery store workers, truck drivers, and restaurants that have changed over to takeout and delivery. Way to go. And how about those teachers who are recording their classes for the stay-at-home students? Thank you. Thank you all. Maybe you saw the video of the Italian opera singer serenading Florence from his window, or the folks in the Spanish apartment building exercising together on their balconies. People find a way to get through tough situations. So we do have much to be grateful for. We humans of this planet are a caring, creative force to be reckoned with. So how do we as individuals manage this? How do we get through this in the best possible way? I would like you to consider a few different perspectives. First of all, cut yourself some slack if this is getting you down. That is completely normal. We don't need to get mad at ourselves for feeling low. Nor do we have to demand that we meet some high standard of productivity. I saw a tweet from someone called Eden Dranger. She said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's okay to not churn out content. It's okay to not clean, organize that thing you've always wanted. It's okay not to use that home gym. It's okay to not do anything. It's okay to bite into string cheese without pulling it apart. What? Not pulling apart string cheese? She got a lot of flack for that last one. Joking aside, it's good to acknowledge that it's okay to feel a bit off. That being said, perhaps there are some steps we can take to help manage our mood. Some members of our Facebook binge eating group shared what was working for them. Kathy wrote, My mindset is to focus on what I can do, not what isn't available right now. For her, that might mean practicing yoga at home instead of at her favorite studio. Becky mentioned, I've turned off the constant CNN, and I'm now watching for updates three times a day. I'm a news junkie, so this is way down. Claire is focusing on getting outside every day. I've made a promise to myself that even in lockdown, I'll spend time in my garden. Chris mentioned, One of my concerns is that I will have a hard time being healthy and focused in this new reality of working from home and making all my meals myself. But I'm still trying to keep a mindset that this is just another week I can still practice my daily minimums of meditation, time outside, and time for activity. There were quite a few posts, and the commonalities included getting some time outside to walk, walk the dog, exercise, or even ski, limiting the amount of time spent on the news. It would be easy to get sucked into it all day long. Notice what it does to your mood. We do not need the hourly blow-by-blow. Add some structure to your day. Plan what you will eat and when. Maybe have an activity in mind for the morning and one for the afternoon. Focus on what you can do instead of what you can't. Creative solutions are right in front of ourselves if we look for them. Perhaps think outside of yourself. Think about how you may help someone. I'm not going to lie. Writing this podcast helped me get out of bed. There may also be more togetherness than you're accustomed to if you're working from home or the kids are at home. Try to find ways to make that a plus. Play games together. Watch movies. I know this sounds weird, but this can be a special time together. And lastly, and quite importantly, I ask you to watch out for rumination. Ruminating is repeatedly going over a thought or a problem without completion. It's like you are stuck in a loop. 
replaying the same anxious thoughts again and again. We might think we are problem-solving, but from the circular nature of the thoughts, it is clear we are going nowhere productive. Do not underestimate the impact of rumination on your well-being. You might think, they're just thoughts, so what? According to Dr. Margaret Wernerberg in Psychology Today, ruminating is worsened by another difficulty, an inability to flexibly generate solutions. Brain chemistry makes it hard to switch to another perspective to find the way out of problems. So rumination intensifies. Both anxiety and depression are then reinforced. These are times when we need to be flexible in our solutions. You can imagine getting stuck in a negative frame of mind when in fact you have many positive options right in front of you. The first step to fight back against ruminating is to notice when you're doing it. You might find yourself obsessively thinking about whether you have enough food on hand. You might be thinking about financial concerns. You might be keeping an account of everything that has gone wrong or has been canceled. So when you catch yourself stuck in rumination, what should you do? One suggestion is to remember all the times in your life where things turned out okay. Many of us can recall times when we were worried quite unnecessarily. If you're having trouble coming up with examples, ask a loved one to help you remember. I'll give you one example, Y2K. And I'm not saying that there's nothing to worry about here. Certainly there is. But um, it's the incessant worry. That's what we're talking about. Next, distract yourself. Watch a silly TV show or work on an enjoyable hobby. Sometimes I even just count backwards. Meditation may be helpful. It may be easier to practice letting go of all thought than to switch thought from negative to positive. Another approach is to identify the problems that you are chewing on and see if there's something you can do. If so, make a plan to do it. If there's nothing you can do, then recognize that you are engaged in unproductive worry. Lastly, you can apply the concept of diffusion. Diffusion is a process where we can observe and notice our thoughts and feelings without buying into them. A person might think, I'm so upset about what's going on and my whole year is ruined. With diffusion, you might rephrase that as, I notice I'm having the thought that I'm upset and my whole year is ruined. Do you hear the difference? It's a bit subtle. You may have a soundtrack of negativity playing in your head. One way to diffuse from it would be to call it a story, as in, here I go again with the year is ruined story, or the I will not survive without toilet paper story. You can even recite your story in a funny voice. Give it a try. It really works. All of these steps loosen the hold of the negative thoughts and give us a chance to choose how we want to think and respond. So I hope you have found some suggestions here that may be helpful to you. If you need a coach to help add extra support, you can always reach out to Georgie, and she'll also contact me if need be, at georgie at nutritionloft.com. Thanks. Thanks.